Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Culture Surfing. This is Lance Robertson, once again, coming at you. I'm very excited for this episode today, being that we have a special guest, and also uh, Noe and I are talking about a team that is near and dear to our hearts, and that's, of course, the Dallas Mavericks. Um, of course, coming off a season where they took the Los Angeles Clippers to six games, uh, something that, honestly, I did not imagine. I thought it was going to be a gentleman's sweep, but here we are. Uh, but no further ado, we do have a special guest, as I mentioned earlier, uh, by the name of Tim Cato, uh, covers the Mavericks for The Athletic. Very interesting man, uh, more than just about basketball, uh, and that's a, another nice reason to have him on here, being that culture surfing is about the whole culture, not just the game of basketball. Um, but with that said, Tim, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? Splendid. What about you, Noah? You haven't uh, seen you in a bit. How's it going? Man, I've been solid, just you know, grinding with, with work, and you know, got the got the uh, five month old now at home, so that's always exciting, keeps every day interesting. But other than that, man, everything's been good. Man, talk about sleepless nights. You'll be okay. <laughs> You're a trooper. <laughs> uh, speaking yeah. of sleepless nights, um, I don't know when basketball is going to be back. None of us do. And I mean, maybe this is a little too early to be talking about previews, but I mean, what else are we going to talk about? You know. Um, so with that said, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into it. You know, the, the only other thing that we know about that's coming up is a draft him. Uh, so it has been announced that it's going to be on the 18th of November and the Mavs, uh, for the first time in quite some time besides the, uh, the Luca and the Dennis, uh, Smith draft, Dennis Smith Jr. Draft that is, um, there's actually some talk about what the Mavericks can do. And it doesn't seem like this draft is very top heavy, However, from what I hear from a lot of draft experts and nerds that there are some gems that we could uh, reach. I, I believe we have the 18th pick, and then we also have the Warriors pick, um, which I think is, what, uh, 31st overall? Is that correct? 31st. That's the one. Some might say yeah. it's it's the best non-lottery draft uh, draft pick just because you're, you're, not, you're not giving out a guaranteed contract. You can get some steals. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very valuable one, so that one's worth paying attention to. So usually, me and Noe don't really care about the draft being Mavs fans because, you know, we know how it used to be. They just trade them for stars or whatever they thought were going to be stars. Um, But this time around, it looks like there might be some noise uh, that the Mavs might actually make a selection. But in your opinion, Tim, um, and then Noe, of course, we'll get back to you what you think about it. Um, What do you think the Mavs are actually going to do with those uh, two picks? I don't expect them to use both of them. You know, it's not really what we know of the Mavericks. This is this is a team that over the past decade has um had or I mean two decades, let's be honest, um has had a pretty clear draft strategy and uh you know, they deviated from that with with Luka, uh fortunately so. Um I would I would uh I I don't I don't think it's a uh, overkill to say that one's worked out for them. But but yeah, it's it's uh this this team is a is a team that views draft picks generally as assets. Um and they've also got a you know, they've got a team. They've got um I did the math uh for an article last week and and I believe it's 12 players under guaranteed contracts. Um if you count Berea and if you assume Hardaway opts in and uh maybe maybe 13 with Berea. So so the point being is is it's not like they have you know a third of a roster to fill out. And I would be very surprised if they end up with about 13 players guaranteed. 
um, headed into the draft or, or with an expectation that, that, you know, there's already 13 players guaranteed. There's no way that, you know, the other two spots are only going to, to rookies. Uh, that's, that's just not really how they operate and it's not how they, how they view these picks. So, you know, it might be a situation where a player like DeLon Wright or Justin Jackson, two players who at this point I think are clear, um, you know, they're not going to be trusted in the playoffs. They weren't, uh, and they aren't, uh, going forwards. So I, I don't think that, you know, they're players that you need to keep around. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty okay moving on from them. You know, it doesn't mean they're bad players, especially in the case of Wright, but I don't think he fits this team. Um, so it could be a situation where either 18 or 31 is used to move off that player, uh, perhaps getting a, you know, maybe if it's Wright, perhaps you get a veteran back in return who fits the team a little bit better. You know, just a just an eighth or ninth man, but someone who has a little bit more, you know, maybe a little bit more shooting uh, and, and, and less on the ball verve and, and quirkiness like, like right hat that just didn't really fit this system. Um, so that's, that's my hunch. I, I don't know which one it's going to be. I, I don't know if it's going to be 18 or 31. Um, I, I don't know if, you know, if they, they will actually stay and use one. I, I suspect that if they trade 18, they will definitely draft someone with 31, but, but yeah. And you know, uh, that's, that's, that's my take. That's, that's where, I'm at if I'm just kind of reading the tea, tea leaves. It's it's not you know so much a report that I know this is going to happen, but you know from conversations I have and just from being around this team for you know a decade now, I, I would I would I would guess that that's probably how uh, at least one of these draft picks is used. Uh, you know as as an asset to to move off you know one of the players that they're they're ready to move from. And Noe, uh, I know we we kind of talked about this in jest you know but uh you kind of have a similar take right yeah i'm on the exact same page uh we we've seen the team's histories and how they deal with the draft and their draft strategy whenever they view themselves as a potential contender and you know through all of the you know dirt gears pretty much it's never it was never you know a part of of their strategy to use the draft to continue to to build via youth it was always you know how can we package this asset together with, you know, a current player or maybe another pick or future picks to try and find somebody that can help win now. Right. That's, that's been their, that's been what we've known from, from them whenever they consider themselves to be somebody either already a contender or on the verge thereof. And I think that that's how they view themselves. And I think that's probably pretty accurate. I think that's fair for them to view themselves that way. I think that they are in what we could call the, the opening of that contending championship window for them. And I think that that's, you know, just knowing the Mavs, they're, they're going to go at this with that mindset of we're looking to have pieces that, you know, maybe not we're going to stash away and let develop. And, and you know, we're, we're looking at players that can contribute now for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to add quickly now, of course, Luca and Dennis Smith, you know, they use those draft picks, but the Mavericks were in a, a, a losing situation in terms of just the record team record. Uh, so I'm just going to go all the way back to Josh Howard and Devin Harris days is the last time I remember the Mavericks taking their first round pick seriously amid, you know, contending years in quotation marks, if you will. And in, in the Devin Harris case, that was actually they traded for his rights, I believe. Um, so, yeah, that, that I mean, that's that's all the way back to like 2004, 2005 era. So this just shows how the Mavericks typically run, you know, with Donnie Nelson and Mark Cuban. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I know you said that they're probably going to use that, maybe that second round pick. Uh, is there a name or two that you've heard uh, floating around, Tim? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm always uh, the the draft is always the thing I'm worst at. 
Uh, there's there's definitely <laughs> some names that I've, I've heard, but I, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm mostly recycling what what other people say uh, when it when it comes to the draft. Um, I I do think I, I will say just in you know I I kind of gave what I expect to happen with with one or both of these draft picks. Um, I, I think there is a sh- pretty strong case that that you look at this team, you you say they're young, you know they they have a relatively young core that that, that they're moving forwards with, and and they're not going to have a pick as high as eighteen again. Um, I, I don't I don't know, you know I I know that the, the this draft is a weaker one. I know it thins out. Um. In the lottery, I know there's a few names that are that are interesting around 18. You know, some, you know, a- athletic wings. If there's someone there that, that the Mavericks say, you know, we trust that within three years this guy is going to be an important rotation piece for us, um, I I would I would do that. I would I would just draft that player. I would say that we're playing a long game. We have Luca. We have KP. You know, these guys are going to be on the team for for five years. You know, barring you know calamity, and you know, drafting someone, even if they're not ready this instant is, it's still for the best because this, you know, while the contending window is open, opening right now, and that's important. And it's important to, to tool up and to go get a veteran who, you know, fits the rotation better with the, with the mid-level exception, exception, things like that. You, you, you still need to think big picture. This isn't the, the rockets, so to say, you know, the, the stars are not 31, 32, uh, and, and, you know, so it makes sense why the Rockets say, okay, picks are only assets for us. They have no value. Um, I, I think it's, it's a little short-sighted if the Mavericks view it the same way. Um, it, it does depend. And again, this is, this is where my, my lack of expertise comes in. Uh, I, I don't know who, you know, if, if there's a player available at 18, uh, I, I don't feel so strongly about who will be available and how good they will be to really, you know, say if the Mavericks do trade 18 to be like, no, that's a that's a horrible move, and you know I'll, I'll be, you know over over the course of November I'll I'll be more edu- you know I'll be more up to date with with the draft and everything that it, that it entails. But you know it's it's I know it's hard, and I'm not I don't consider myself you know my my best skills as a writer to be you know prospect evaluation. So uh, I'll I'll put that caveat in there. But I, I will say that there is there is definitely an argument for drafting at 18 if you could if you can find the right type of player. And if that player isn't there, then I get it. And there is, you know, also value in it as an asset. But, you know, I, I think I think you can make an argument both ways. And I think that practically, realistically, we've seen what this team does and that, you know, trading out is is probably probably the way that they're going to go. But they do have two picks for, for a reason. And, you know, even though I don't think they're going to use both, uh, I, I would be disappointed if if they traded both of them for sure. Um, and I would especially be disappointed if if there's a player at 18 that that you know in in a month from now when when I've uh, when I've done my proper homework that you know really seems like he would he would fit the future of this team. So I think that's the one important thing to remember uh, in in this context. Um, so those were not names, uh, <laughs> but no, uh, oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's kind of the rundown of, of how I feel just about you know just making sure this team isn't you know too short sighted, um, which. They've been known to be at times, you know. I, I think that is one of their one of their front office flaws. So uh, that's that's all I'm hoping uh, for them, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. It, it's nice to have another basketball event that actually has like a date attached to it, right? Because so. <laughs> other than that, we really don't know, right. know much. Right, right, know? right. Like the the workouts and, and things of that nature have have come to light. And other than that, I mean, they're still debating on. I mean, is it going to be a bubble? Is it going to be mini bubbles? Like we don't know anything. So this right, is all just right, speculation right. at this point. Um, so, uh, not so long ago, I did read an article uh, where you were 
saying, and you you talked to a certified trainer, I um, believe his name was, sorry, let me get my notes, uh, Jeff Stotts uh, of InStreetClothes.com. And you were you and him were pretty much talking about how the KP injury is not as serious as it, it comes off, you know. Um, with that said, obviously, he might miss some games. Um, even though we still don't know when it's going to be, he might miss some games. Um, is there a viable option that you see just in the short term that, you know, someone we can put at, uh, that the Mavericks can put at the five, or is it just maybe just stick Kleber there and, and see how that goes? Well, what's your opinion on that, Tim? Yeah, I think, I think that it's, it's without knowing for sure what the, what the extent of the surgery was, it's, it's hard to say exactly how long he's going to be out. Um, like you said, it's definitely, definitely possible that if, if the season starts on January 18th, which, you know, it's not a firm date. We were just talking about that. But I believe that is the date that everybody says they want to start the season on. Um, there's definitely a chance that he's he's out till mid-February or something like that. I, I don't think it would be too much longer than that, um, even in the worst-case scenario. Um, and I definitely think he could be ready by then. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, even, even if he's healthy, you still have to, you know, ha- go into the season with a pretty regimented plan to rest him uh, with, with him, you know, suffering another knee injury and, and you just, you know, you need to have a, a, a regimented plan. So, you know, in, in that context, I do believe that the Mavericks need a, another big man than they had. Um, but, but I, I think I'd be okay with the ones they have, you know, they, they signed Collie Stein as a replacement for pal. If they go into the season with a healthy, you know, or if they go into the season with Porzingis, pal, Collie Stein and Kleba and Boban, I think that's a five man unit that that works fine. And maybe you say, you know, maybe you tell Collie Stein, okay, we don't actually see you in our plans. We have another minimum contract guy we're going to go look at. Um, that would probably influence him to uh, trigger his opt out clause and become a free agent mm-hmm. if, if you told him just straight up, hey, we don't have a big role for you. So I do think the Mavericks have some, you know, uh, say over whether, whether he triggers it or not. Um, it's not the, the option isn't for more money than he would make as a minimum free agent just on the open market. So I would imagine it comes down to to fit in what the Mavericks are saying uh, regarding that. But I think I think those five players have all the flexibility and a nuance and, you know, just overall ability that that they can kind of cover and, and make up for each other. And, and they, you know, they hit all the notes that you want with a big man rotation with Boban being the, you know, ultimate you know, change up card, if you will. Uh, and, you know, Collie Stein being a, a more traditional guy, um, you know, sh- shot blocker, unlike Powell, but also has the rim rolling like Powell, um, you know, and then we know, we know the other three who are the, the main rotation guys. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking at. I, I don't know for sure where they're going to go with that, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine, I, I would imagine that there is a fifth player, a fifth big man, and I wouldn't imagine he's much more expensive than a minimum guy like Collie Stein, um, just because the NBA is going small, and you don't you don't want to pay money for a big center, not not next to KP. No, and Noe, as the veteran of uh, knee surgeries uh, of us three, uh, please tell us uh, what do you think uh, the Mavericks should do uh, with KP uh, next season? I, I got to stop that uh, real quick. What what are what are the what are the surgeries? Oh, dude, it's I've got. Two ACLs on my right, MCL on my right, meniscus on my right. I actually have no meniscus on my right. Um, oh, I've God. had complete reconstruction on my left. Um, and then I had one other MCL tear on my left. So, yeah, man, I've got it. The history's there, man. It, oh, you know man. What the that's, that's what it is. Yeah. The funniest part is my wife actually has me beat. She's got one surgery more than I do. 
<laughs> so between the two of us, we're both probably going to be in that knee replacement lineup at some point. <laughs> it's just not, it's not, it's been brutal. You, you got to be a, you got to send some tip, tips and tricks to, to KP as he's recovering, you know, surely that sounds like I've, I've, yeah. I have bad knees, but not surgery bad. Like I just have like tracking disorders and I've, I've had some dislocations, but, but man, surgery is that's, I'm going to leave that to you and KP y'all, y'all can have that in common. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I'm not the guy to get the advice from. But the whole reason why I've got so many of them is because I don't I've never learned to play any other way other than the one way I know how to play. And it's it's uh and that's kind of the biggest thing, um, is the the you know, the way the aggression that you play the game with is really what ends up doing you in. Um that said, you know, the Mavs medical support team we know to be one of the best in the league. You know, I, I think that they're going to be and and they sh- even when they acquired him, they showed they showed this before to us. They're going to be super patient with him. They're going to they're going to be over cautious with timing, make sure that he's got plenty of time to recover. I actually do think that he probably could start at the beginning of the season if it starts mid-January. I doubt that they'll let him do it. I think that they'll probably just play it super safe and let him let him sit out even a little longer, you know, and, and I think maybe that maybe the target date will be sometime in early February. Um, it, 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 from what I understand, it's not a surgery that, you know, is super intensive and shouldn't require a great deal of therapy, but just because of his medical history, when it comes to those knee injuries, they're definitely going to be super, super cautious with them. I don't expect that they'll allow him to play at the beginning of the season. Even if he is ready to play, I think they'll probably continue to just do like strength and conditioning and building that strength up in those knees and that all said, it you know throughout the season they're still going to have to monitor his minutes. I doubt he plays back to backs. They're going to definitely be keeping him, like Tim was saying, on a regiment of rest. I think if we play a full season, you know, maybe expect him to play 60, 65 games, and then and then you know try and keep him fresh for playoffs. As far as the big men goes, um, I think that they. I don't think that they're too concerned about it. I think that they do have. Plenty of options currently on the team. And actually, Tim, I want to talk to you about this too. Since you brought up the name Dwight Powell, you, where do you feel the Mavs sit on what Dwight Powell's role is on this team moving forward, right? Because he just got signed to that contract literally right before all this went down. And then now he's, you know, it's it's not a simple injury, especially not for somebody like Powell, who depends almost strictly on his athleticism, his ability to cut to the rim and finish at the basket. He's not, you know, he's not exactly the finesse big man either. So as somebody who depends on his athleticism, and I'm sure the Mavs understand this, um, where do you think that their plans are for him? Are there plans to try and see this contract out and see what he looks like? Do Do they maybe have an evaluation window and then consider maybe moving him at some point? Where, where, where do you see it going? Yeah, I think I think that they're they're committed to him as 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 much as you know you can be. I, I think a lot of the reason actually they signed him to the extension they did and, and didn't really hesitate um, is, is they value him so much as a as a person as a as a player within the organization who sets the culture and the way they do. I talked a lot when uh, you know last season um, how. A lot of what he does as a as a worker, as a as a person, you know, you know, on non non game days, like like so much of his value, or you know, he 
maybe, maybe not. I don't want to compare like you know him as a player to him as a as a you know leader on, on the team. You know, there's no need to compare those two. Just him as a leader on the team, the way he works, what he does, um, is is Novitskian, and and you know they're they're trying to continue this culture that Dirk set day in day out. And I think Powell does does an amazing job of that. So, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any scenario where, you know, he, he comes back and, and it turns out this Achilles injury has turned him into 50% of the player he was. Um, I don't rule anything out. You know, it's a it's a it's a brutal business at times. Uh, but but I would imagine that that this is a player they want for for reasons beyond, you know, even the on court stuff. Um, that said, he's obviously a, a very good player. Um, you know, I'm not, not diminishing that at all. There are serious concerns now with an, with an Achilles injury, Uh, the worst injury you can get outside of those, you know, like gruesome leg fractures or stuff like that. It's, it's pretty much the worst injury out there. Uh, and yeah, it concerns me. I I do wonder what, what will happen to a guy who's athletic as, you know, who is as athletic as him, who, who does have this really special knack of finishing and, and, you know, a 10% drop in athleticism. You know, it's it's not just that he can't jump as high to to dunk. Like his athleticism is in his is in his every part of his finishing, every part of his his layups. He's got these you know weird you know euro steps around the basket and and you know ability to hang and and hover and readjust. You know, obviously, you know, just a incredible athlete, and, and I I am concerned about that, uh, especially headed into this year. So, you know, I, I think that his role on the team. Um, was was always one where you know maybe he's a he's more of a regular season player than a postseason player. I remember talking to uh, over the summer. I had a conversation on theathletic.com with with John Hollinger, and we talked about Dwight Powell's future and you know it, it, whether a player like him, you know, not, nothing against even Powell, just the archetype that Powell is a rim runner who doesn't shoot and isn't an amazing defender, isn't isn't an elite defender. We'll we'll say at least. Um, you know, can you play that player the deeper you go into the postseason? And the answer is has, has typically been no. Um, that, that doesn't mean that, you know, that that's okay. It, he, he has enough value in the regular season and with everything else he does that, you know, he's worth keeping around and, and you know, and, and, and is an asset on the team. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I think right now it's just fingers crossed. Hope that the, you know, with his, his crazy Dirk-like worth, work ethic, is enough to really overcome, you know, this brutal injury. Um, even if he's not the same this season, you know, he's what got what this is a second year on the contract. So two more after this fingers crossed that, you know, by year three and by year four, you know, if, if in year two, he's not quite who he was that, that by year three and four, he's able to get back there. And, and in the meantime, he's, he's still a player that, that just means a lot to this team and, and, you know, to his teammates and, and to the franchise as a whole. So, um, Obviously, unfortunate with the injury. Those are those are those are tough, and I, you know, it, it is it does bring some concerns with it. But overall, he's he's a team. I, he's a player I would be, you know, fully expecting to finish out his contract here, and maybe even get another one, a smaller one after that, um, because he's not that old. He's what like twenty eight, something like that. Yeah. So, so yeah, he's he's definitely a player I could see finishing out his contract and maybe even finishing his career here. Well, uh, you spoke about Powell's leadership and. And, and you know what? It, it reached uh, past the team aspect because uh, I recently saw an article where uh, Adam Silver was commenting on a lot of the players that helped the restart of the NBA, uh, of course, in the Walt Disney and world. However you say it, I'm sorry. Um, but he cited Dwight Powell as one of the many or uh, one of the few players that actually was on a weekly call with him to get the restart going. And we've seen what Dwight Powell's done uh, in terms of protests and things of that nature. So, 
I can definitely see um, him being a locker room guy. And I mean, that's just, that's not something that you can quantify with numbers, if you will. Um, so I could definitely see him being here or seeing him being in Dallas long term. And of course, we don't know what he's going to come back like. You hope that he comes back even 80% what he was. I mean, that would be nice. Um, but yeah, I just want to speak to that about him being a great leader and not just the locker room, but just for the whole NBA and honestly for the country with uh, with what he's doing uh, outside the game of basketball. Um, uh, but before we uh, get too carried away here, I do have another, I guess you could call it a free agency question. Um, and actually this question richens now because of uh, what the reports uh, from your colleague, uh, Sham Sarania, um, about uh, Jeremy Grant, uh, the Mavericks possibly being interested in him. Um, what do you see more likely, uh, a Goran Dragic Doncic pairing or the Mavericks getting uh, Jeremy Grant? Ooh, um, I think the Grant addition would be the would be the better one, just in terms of what do they truly need? Um, they need wing defending. And and they just don't really have that right now, and and that's that's the thing they they most um, you know I think are are missing. Even though a secondary ball handler would would be a useful addition, um, I'd love to see the Garon pairing. Uh, you know, it would it would be fun and and fascinating for all the obvious reasons that they're both Slovenian, but clearly Goran is is still a very good player, and and has you know has a, a you know has that secondary ball handling ability that. You know, we've talked a lot. Um, certainly, I've talked a lot about the Mavericks needing, you know, just someone who, you know, in the final five minutes can can give a different look than just than just what Giannis has. So, oh man, which one do I see more likely? Um, my my hunch this entire time is that you know Jeremy Grant is is you know just younger and more valuable and and isn't someone who's just going to walk away. Um, you know, I, I haven't I haven't kept up you know, a hundred percent with all the rumors and reports about, you know, his availability. I, I know that he is, you know, certainly going to, going to look around, but you know, I, I, I would lean towards, you know, a, a more of a one year, you know, or short term reunion with, with Dragic being, you know, slightly more possible. Um, but on the flip side, there was that whole thing last summer where, where they, they didn't really, you know, Miami was offering him up essentially and thought they had an agreement to some degree. Something was lost in translation, you know, I wrote a whole story trying to explain it, and I'm still a little confused at what what exactly happened. But, um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's it's um, you know, if I if I if I was in charge of the team, you know, I'm I'm saying let's go get someone, you know, let's go get someone like Grant. You know, that's that's what the team is missing, and he fits the long term core. But you know, the Slovenian connection would be uh would be wonderful. So you know, I can't I can't be too upset either either way if either team were to were were to join. So Noe. Uh... I don't know if we've talked about it on the pod, but I know me and you were kind of, I mean, this sounds crazy now, so forgive us, but we were kind of happy that the the Dragic trade didn't go down last summer because we thought he was finished, you know, you know, dealing with injuries and stuff like that. And, I mean, he's getting up there in age, at least for a point guard in the NBA. Um, it's kind of hard to, you know, play at that level, like when you're mid-30s. Um but what are you thinking about it, Noe? Are you are you still on that stance? Do you, do you uh, still see uh, the Dragic pairing as something that's not as beneficial to the Mavs, despite what we just saw in the postseason? And do you think it's uh, more viable that uh, Jeremy Grant joins on a deal? 
So, well, I guess those probably be two separate answers. Uh, one which is more realistic, and one which I think is best. Um, yeah. If you were to ask, which I think is more realistic, I mean, I think the Dragic deal, like Tim's, or Tim mentioned, I agree, was probably more realistic. He probably come at a cheaper price tag right now too. That after the injury, um, even though he did just perform outstandingly throughout the playoff run, so maybe that weighs in. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he does. I'd really be curious to see what his price tag would be. Um, and yes, I, I've been one of the main ones saying that the Mavs need to have another ball hand, right? They need to have somebody that one of the biggest struggles that, that you and I talk about when it comes to Luca is oftentimes the, you know, excessive dribbling and poor shot selection, right? And then a lot of that is probably just part of his youth. And, and, and maybe as he continues to grow and mature, we'll see that progress and, and improve. But having a, a veteran, you know, ball handler that, that can create different kinds of look for the rest of the team and himself and Luca included would definitely be beneficial for the team. That said, I do think that that'll, that will become part of Luca's natural progression as he continues to develop as a player. What Grant brings to the team is something Luca may never be able to offer. Um, you, you know, you're going to need to have an elite wing defender if you're going to compete in the league the way that everything's set up right now, because especially in the West, I mean, night after night, you're, you're lined up against elite scores on the other side of the court. And if you don't have an elite defender to counter that, you know, you're going to find yourself like a Mavs did oftentimes last season, trying to, you know, outshoot the other team or outscore the other team. And luckily the offense obviously last season was outstanding other than the late four quarter mishaps, which, you know, personally attribute to youth. And I've been, I know Lance would be so frustrated <laughs> game after game after those closed losses. And, and I'd always just kind of like, you know, let you know, Hey man, like they're young, they're young. It's like, it's part of the development of them. We saw it when the Mavs played the thunder, you know, where the talent was obviously on their side and they just couldn't close games in those playoff series. And with the Mavs, we're seeing it in the, in the regular season because they're an even younger team, you know, currently, with, or at least they're, the, the core of their stars is younger than, than we were watching with those Thunder teams. And I think that's just going to be part of their development as as we see experience come and as we see the maturation of a player like Luka, you know, maybe we, we he'll he's inevitably probably always going to take some shots that you wish he had back. Um, and that's just part of the fact that, you know, he – he hits some of them. And when you hit them, you know, then, you know, you're more likely to be tempted to take them. But I do feel like, you know, the volume of them will definitely decrease over the years. And then I think that'll reduce the need for a secondary ball handler more and more. We will still most definitely need the elite wing defense. Always will need that. So it's not something that's currently on the team. As much as I love Finney Smith, as much as you love Finney Smith, he's, he's not – I wouldn't consider him an elite defender. So he, they, they, they need to look – if it's not Jeremy Grant, they need to look elsewhere for, for that to, to be filled. Well, uh, I just want to say about, quote-unquote, bad shots, uh, that step-back game winner on Reggie Jackson birthed about 5,000 more step-back threes, so be prepared. Um, but, yeah, I, I really think Grant is what I'd, what I'd rather go for. But I really think after that Clippers series, I think he's out of the Mavericks price range. So – and the Drogic thing, uh, I've read reports that the Heat, of course, are saying they want to retain Drogic. But, I mean, at what cost? I, I think what's going to end up happening for Drogic, because I don't think no one's going to commit long-term, at least to the money that we're hearing. I think maybe it's kind of like a DeAndre Jordan deal where it's just going to be a, a lump sum 
for a one-year deal. I think it's just going to be a pretty significant amount. And then after that, you know, you can see what happens. But I, I really think the Drogic thing, um, the Drogic uh, signing is uh, more likely to happen, even though, yeah, I think we all agree that the Jeremy Grant is definitely more beneficial uh, long-term. Um, and I would just want to say Jeremy Grant earned all his money in that Clippers series. I mean, there were times where he was like the second or third best player on the court. And I mean, and that court had, you know, Kawhi, Paul George, you know, Jokic, Jamal Murray. So uh, he deserves whatever he gets this uh, this coming offseason. And, and if I was the Nuggets, I would look to lock him up long term, at least three year deal. I mean, because I think moving forward, you know, just play him at the three, at the four. And, you know, I, I really think Michael Porter is just going to be in the starting lineup next year. I don't, you know, see Millsat being there long term. Um, but anyways, before we start talking about the Denver Nuggets, because that's for a few more weeks, um, I just want to keep on um, with the role player that you actually mentioned earlier, Cato. Uh, and I want to kind of put this a positive spin on this player um, because I had high hopes coming into the season for this player. Uh, early in the season, he looked um, very efficient, you know, although he didn't play as many minutes, but the minutes he did play, he looked good. And he's one of those guys – before he was a Maverick, that he always, I mean, looked really well playing against the Mavericks um, before he came here. And that's DeLon Wright. Um, why should Dallas keep him? If there's one reason, why, why should they keep uh, DeLon Wright? Well, DeLon used to be like an analytics darling. Like he was in, in Toronto. He was part of these these killer bench units and an important part. And, you know, I love the signing because, you know, he was he was one of those guys whose on-off numbers was always good. He was a defender, you know, he's, he's a ball handler, you know, these are, these are all good, good things that, that, you know, on, on the surface on paper make up to be a a pretty good role player. And I I was also surprised, confused, you know, disappointed that, that his, his time in Dallas was as, as mediocre um, as it was, I should say his first season, like like you guys said, you know, he's still on the team, he's still signed. um, And, and there's a, there's a case for keeping him. Now, I'm I'm worried that his his inability to shoot his his uh his lack of shooting um certainly hurts him in this offense. Um, it, it's more than that. He is a I would probably call him a slow decision maker. He he kind of freezes a lot. He uh he he has these you know the, the one thing I always liked about him is he had these these drives and these finishes and and floaters that didn't really make like since or, or weren't expected. Um, you know, I, I kind of, I use this analogy once as like, you know, like there's, there's, what is it? Homogeneous and hetero heterogeneous. It's like that thing you learn in science about how like, like oil and water, like, you know, don't mix together. Like, you know, all the Mavericks was, was, you know, this free flowing, very smooth waterfall or something. And, and he was a little bit of oil. And I think a a little bit of that is good. Like, like you need that sometimes just something that when, when the office isn't quite working, um, you know, as, as well as it should be, you know, it just happens sometimes. You know, we saw it uh, a dozen times last season, uh, you know, where it just kind of broke down for a little bit. It's the best offense in league history. It still broke down from time to time and it just wasn't quite working, especially late in games. And, you know, a, a, a guy who's going to score you a bucket in a, in a weird way that nobody expects, you know, just because he, he does this, you know, dribble, spin move, Euro, whatever, because, you know, like a lot of the times that you, DeLon hit these layups that you can't even quite describe, 
um, you know, I thought I thought that was good, and I thought that would be a good thing and, and really useful. And, and when he did it, when he was successful at that, it was, but it just didn't happen enough, and and too much of his, you know, oil nature, oily nature, uh, you know, just there's too much of it, and it, and it bogged down the free flowing offense, and and you know, it just it didn't provide that that counterpunch that that you were hoping for, you know, that that just that other that other um, dimension you know there just wasn't enough of that and there is too much of him you know just picking the ball up and in the backcourt for no reason and and taking five seconds to to find someone to pass to and all of a sudden you're at eight on the shot clock and you haven't run any meaningful offense yet there's just too much of that so i I like him you know if if we could if if you could if if the team could i guess is is probably the who i should say that if the team could um amplify that that you know that variety that he brings um, and obviously the defense without, without, uh, you know, while, while reducing the fact that, that he just often didn't fit into the offense, um, he still has value. If he is on the team next year, I, I do expect him to play 50, 60 games. Um, you know, I don't think that he's going to go into a, a JJ Brea or Courtney Lee type bench role. He's, he's still valuable during the regular season, but you know, without, without those key things that I'm kind of describing changing, I just worry that he's never going to be a postseason player for them. And because he does actually have some value, especially with a contract that's reasonable and declining, which, which really, which really helps you uh, be able to trade him. You know, I, I think it might be better to move on from him, but, but like I said, if, if they can't find someone to trade for, um, I do think that he will play, you know, a, a decent number of games next season, more, more than just a emergency role player. And, uh, you know, that does have value. It's just, just like Dwight Powell. Maybe he starts getting phased out in the postseason, but that player, you know, you still got to fill those minutes somehow. Yeah. Uh, I can definitely see him as a regular season player. And and, it, and it's sad because I thought a player such as himself was going to be more valuable in the postseason. And it just, he came off as like a hesitant rookie that plays for a veteran coach that is afraid to make moves because he thinks he's going to get, you know, jerked off the court and, you know, and be told, Hey, don't do that. You know, you can't do that while you play. And, you know, speaking to his acrobatic layups that, like I said, defy physics sometimes, especially when you look at him, he doesn't seem like a player that can pull off these, you know, these logic defined layups. And defensively, he's not, he's not terrible, um, especially, you know, as a, I mean, he's not necessarily a big guard, but he's not really all that small either. Um, so I, what I think is going to happen, I don't know how well he meshes with Luca on the court in terms of just play style. I think he just needs to be in more lineups where Luca gets rest and just have him play in there. That's what I think is going to happen. Um, Noe, what do you have to say about that? About Don, um, right? I think, I think he gets packaged and, and gets sent out, man. I just, it, the, th- the thing for me is that when you're looking at it and you're looking at it as a, as what they see themselves, right? Cause I think the Mavs do see themselves as, as a team that's, entering their playoff or their uh, championship window, right? And if they if they view themselves as the contenders, they, they want pieces that they can use in the playoffs. And if you can only play DeLon when Luka's not on the court, and in the, in the playoffs, Luka was playing like 40, 42, 44 minutes, like then at that point you're talking about DeLon has a play, you know, a, a valuable four minutes he can play. And at that point, you know, and then knowing the Mavs and then knowing that they have that 18 pick, I just see it really likely that they end up packaging that either the 18 or the 31st, like Tim was saying with DeLon and, and then, and find somebody 
that that can play valuable minutes, not just in the regular season, but in the playoffs as well, because they do have holes that they need to fill. They do need to find defense, like we were talking about before. And and it doesn't have to be, you know, young, long future like Grant has, for example. It, it can be a veteran that just fits the role. Um, nothing wrong with that. And 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 it may not be, you know, who's who the player that's going to be here when, when, if and when the championship does come to Dallas. You know, maybe it's a different bet at that point. But that's going to be a role that they're constantly going to be having to fill. I mean, just like they have in the past, you know, it's, it'll always be something that – that they're going to have different guys plug and play. I just don't see Delon's future in Dallas. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably what's likely to happen is he gets sent out, and it's – I don't know. It's a shame. but I mean, it's the business. Not everything works out. Players that look good on other teams sometimes just don't fit, and that's just fine. So, eh, hopefully, uh, you know, he has a bounce-back season and they, they don't trade him in the offseason and he works. But if not, we'll see what happens. Um but talk about free agency, Tim. Um, you know, everyone's talking about, you know, next offseason, 2021, obviously. And 2020 is not necessarily uh, the best of a uh, group of players in terms of star players. Is there any uh, under, the radar, uh, under the radar potential signings you see the Mavs, uh, you know, achieving? Or is there just a, some, a group of uh, small name players, if you will, uh, that you see the Mavericks uh, going after? I'd love for them to look at someone like Andre Roberson, you know, uh, you know, you know, we talk a lot about Jeremy Grant, a really good defender who, who can't quite shoot. Um, you know, that's Roberson too. He's, he's had huge major injuries and, and I don't, I don't know how, you know, I remember him playing a little bit in, in, uh, in the bubble, just in the rotation games or the, uh, the seating games that's what they called them. Um, I don't think he did much. If I recall, you know, it was, it was more of a feel good story than, than a player really coming back to that Thunder rotation and and becoming an important part of the team. I don't believe he played in the playoffs at all. Um, but but that's that's the type of player that, that Dallas has had success with in the past. Where you know maybe maybe in this case a little bit older, but but they've they've got an Alfaruk Aminu, they've they've brought in OJ Mayo, they've brought in you know uh, I'm trying to think you know just they, they always do this with these with these small players and you know, low names that, that they get on pretty cheap deals. You know, they even did it for Seth Curry the first time around. And and it, they tend to turn them into, you know, really reliable functional role players. And that's that's a cool thing that uh that uh you know I think this front office is is probably underrated for for doing, you know, uh, at least nationally. I think I think we all have a pretty good idea that they they're they're successful at that. So that's that's like the type of name that I'd be looking for. Like you know, like you know, I I don't I don't have like a, a whole like you know one through ten list that I, that I'm currently looking at, and I'm just like they they need to like these are the ten you know the ten guys they need to call on you know midnight or whatever night free agency opens or or you know six p.m. I guess I think they're starting them earlier these days, and we don't even know when it's going to be, but. But you know Robert, you know Roberson, like that 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 type of player comes to mind. Um, do you do you guys have names that are that are like that? Like I'm just trying to think off the top of my head of of uh, uh, people in that category. But that's yeah. a very niche name, and I, honestly, it feels a great feat. It's just man, nowadays to have a player that just can't shoot at that position is just hard. But just to fill the defensive wing need, like for you know, situational lineups, that is a, a really good name. And you saw some moments for Kid Gilchrist in the playoffs, right? You know, I, I think yeah. it is hard if you can't shoot, but it's not impossible. There are moments, you know, especially because the Mavericks can play four out at every other position. 
uh, especially when Porzingis on the is on the floor. Essentially, you're turning that non-shooter into your sinner, into the guy who's going to set picks and roll and, and do things like that. And Roberson, if I remember right, did that pretty well in Oklahoma City. Again, you know, with the injury, all bets are off. Who knows what type of player he's able to be now? But you know, that's that's the type of names I'm thinking about. Um, here, I, I pulled up a free agency list. Um, Bryn Forbes. Um, that's nah, don't have much interest in that. San Antonio. Yeah, maybe guard, right. Cephalosha. Um, again, another injury guy who just might not be able to do it. Any, you know, might not have that um, ability anymore. But you know, if you thought you could get something out of him, you know, that's that's the type of that's the type of player I'd be interested in. James Ennis is another one. Yeah. Um, he's got a player option, and uh, you know, just might not be able to 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 do it. But you know, it's it's if if the Mavericks see a player like like this. You know, I, I think that's that's both what they're good at and and what I would be most interested in, um, with the assumption that this is going to be a pretty quiet off season and and uh, you know they're they're largely saving cap space, um, you know, for twenty twenty one. All right, so here's one name that comes to mind, and once again, this is not a splash splashy name. Uh, however, this does kind of fit a need in terms of um, a guard uh, that can kind of create. And that's DJ Augustine. Um, we all know that he had that um, <laughs> famous game against uh, the Toronto Raptors a few years ago. And, you know, and he, and he made some noise. And he's just he's reliable. Uh, he is kind of up there in age. But I mean, if the Mavericks are going to try to talk themselves into Drogic for a lot more money, then why not go after someone like DJ Augustine on the cheap? Um, other than that, there is one player. Um, NBA nerds know this person, maybe not like on a national level. A lot of people don't really pay attention, like on the casual level, I should say. Uh, so Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Kings. Uh, but he's restricted. Um, however, you know, they still have to work out the contract um, with uh, with uh, Heald, Buddy Heald. So I don't know if they want to, if they feel comfortable having, paying those two guards that kind of money for a team that's not really doing anything right now. And then lastly, and this is not something I want or something that I see that could happen. However, I don't think it's implausible. And that's Marcus Moore Sr. I mean, we, we're talking about, you know, the Mavericks need a dog and need someone that, I mean, at this point, he doesn't push the envelope. He rips it open and, and opens it. But, <laughs> I mean, I think he feels a lot of needs. And maybe Luca feels more comfortable uh, more is being on on his side than on the other side, but yeah, those are my names. Honestly, uh, I think the Augustine one is definitely the most feasible feasible um, of the three, and I and I think the last one is just kind of for shits and giggles, shits and giggles, if you will. But uh, Noah, you got any? Because it's kind of sad looking at this free agency list. But <laughs> no, I actually, um, to be a hundred percent sincere, I'd rather them be be passive the way it, you know, the the free agency list is right. Because at eighteen, you could easily go find that, you know, in the draft. Um, you could probably even find it at 31 if you're not necessarily looking for somebody that's going to come out and light it up for three. And if you really just want a strong wing defender, you may be able to find that in the draft without having to really break the bank anywhere um, and without necessarily tying yourself down. And those guys have some sort of value if you were ever wanting to move them later on because of youth and ability to defend. So, I, you know, I'm not 100% against them doing that either. You know, if they want to go find it in the draft, I think that that's totally plausible. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd rather – I don't 
the thing is, I would hate for the Mavericks to do what they used to do and put their eggs in all in one basket and assume they're going to get a star player. Even though now, of course, they're in a way better position. Their best player isn't like 34, 35 years old on one leg. Um, but still, like, I'd, I'd like for the Mavs just to keep doing what they're doing and, and just not do nothing too drastic. Uh, but this actually uh, brings us to an article that came out today. Um, and it's picking up quite some traction. Um, and, and I appreciate it. Uh, I thought it was very poetic at times. And there's a Fast and the Furious reference in there, and I love it. And, and, and it's actually dogging the Fast and the Furious franchise, which – I agree with it. I mean, I don't know how. I mean, they're they're gonna talk. They're talking about being in space for the next one. That is a sign. It's, it's it needs to go. It's a wrap. When you start f- talking about concepts of being in space, unless it's interstellar, I don't want to hear it. Okay, but Tim, you don't want Giannis Antetokounmpo on the Dallas Mavericks. Please explain yourself. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll start before I even start explaining to myself, you know, this answer is going to be smaller and less, um, you know, less than, than the actual article itself, which, which is on the athletic. Um, you know, I would, I would say that, you know, if you, if you really, if you really want to read where I'm coming from on this, that's, that's the place to go. Um, but it's, it's not about basketball fit, you know, obviously those three would be incredible. Um, I, basically the argument is that they'd, they'd be too incredible. Like it, it would, it would remove any, you know, it would mo- remove any suspense. It would be inevitable that they would win titles. I truly believe that, 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 that trio, you know, would win four years in a row if, if they, if they stay healthy, I think they would be that good. I think Luca and Giannis, um, you know, in, in a year or two are going to be the best two players in the league. So, you know, without question, I, I do think that, you know, it, it's, it, this is a title winner. And I think that's, that's, that's what would happen. Um, I think it would be, you know, I would, I would hate losing the parody that we have ever so briefly right now in the league. I, I think that, you know, I, I prefer Giannis to stay. Um, but then I also talk about just how, you know, what are championships? What do they mean to people? What do you learn from them? I talk about experiencing the 2011 championship as, as a fan you know, I've, I've kind of set aside my fandom as I've increasingly, you know, I've covered this team in increasingly professional ways over the past decade. But I was I was definitely a Mavs fan in, in 2011. I went through that and, you know, it felt more re- rewarding that it wasn't another superstar coming in to, you know, to push Dirk over the line, that that it was Dirk's and Dirk's alone that that he, you know, he went out there and he achieved that on on his own. That was that was cool as hell. And it was like, wow, sometimes, you know, the world is, is super fucked up if I can if I can curse on this podcast. No, you can. You're just perfect, fine. Perfect. There, there's my one. So, um, you know, so we can keep this PG-13. You're allowed one, one F, F-bomb, I think. So, um, but, but it, you know, the world, despite it being what it is, sometimes it still makes sense. And, and people who deserve things um, actually get to, to, uh, to experience them. So, you know, I, I look at this team and I think that Luca and Porzingis – and the role players they have are very close, probably closer than most would say to being true contenders, to being somebody who can go win a championship. Um, you know, I think that for a lot of reasons, you can you can just look at the team itself. You can look at the the youth. You can look at the the stats and say that they, you know, had a had a net rating, you know, that that had them, you know, probably as like a, you know, they should have been like a 54-55 win team last season, which would have been you know, third best in the, in the Western conference, just about, you know, all that stuff adds up, uh, in, in my head. And I'm like, 
yeah, this team is close and I already don't think they need Giannis. I look at this team and I'm like, you know, Giannis to, to the Mavs would be like KD to the Warriors. Um, you know, the, the stakes would be a little bit different. Um, you know, I think, I think Giannis certainly wouldn't draw the same vitriol that KD did because KD was uniquely unlikable for a lot of reasons that, you know, are partly his fault and partly just the way the internet works, you know, uh, did you say was, <laughs> I I weirdly like him, but only because like I've never seen an athlete like him before. Like 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 I'm just I'm just, just maybe I'm fascinated by him. Maybe that's the one. But but yes, he is he has done a lot of unlikable stuff. Um so yeah, you know, I think it'd be cool to see Luca and KP and this team win um if if they didn't sign Giannis. And I think that um Giannis would would just kind of be like, "All right, now they're winning." And and it, it just the, the the climax the the you know it would be so anticlimactic it feels like to me. Um, that said, uh, with all that said, you know the Mavericks themselves should and are wanting to sign Giannis. Fans are perfectly understand if if fans want to sign Giannis. I'm a basketball journalist who experienced a Mavericks championship and don't really call myself a Mavericks fan anymore. Like I, I have such a unique uh, perspective on this. Uh, that really, I just wanted to write a column, you know, that was hopefully fun and entertaining, had a bunch of jokes in it. You know, I wrote it like that on purpose because the idea wasn't to convince anyone that I'm right. And you should all listen to me. The, the, the point of the article was just like, Hey, I have this, I have this weird contrarian take that I, I think would be fun to, uh, to express in a, in a, in a column and I'll do it in a, in a really fun way. And I'll, 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 you know, use an analogy to putting rocket boosters on a Peregrine Falcon, you know, so that they go 400 miles per hour instead of 200, because that's that's what I imagine the Mavs offense being if, you know, already best of all time and putting, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo on them, you know. So so that's all I was trying to do. Um, not everybody got it. I knew they wouldn't. You know, if if the Mavericks were to sign Giannis next year, people are definitely going to be tweeting at me and be like, oh, my God, you must be so mad. And I'm like, no, I'm not <laughs> like I get to cover Giannis now. That's cool as hell. Like, like, of course I'd love it, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it was, it was, that's a- what happens when you just read the headlines. So, I know, right? I know, I know. And, and we're a paywall site to be fair. So, uh, you know, you're also going to get some people who are, you know, just not going to pay or, or not going to click on it, or that's too much work and are just going to react because, you know, even if, if, if even if they would have clicked on it, you know, if it was like CNN and Reddit, like, but you know, yeah. yes, there's a lot of people that just read headlines. So I, aren't y'all on it- sale for like a dollar a month right now? Aren't uh, y'all on sale? Yes. Yes, yeah, we have a bunch of good subs. One dollar, I think we're still on a one dollar a month that that should pop up. And if anybody you know wants to subscribe under that promo and can't find it, uh, shoot me a DM. My DMs are open on Twitter, um, or or just my name, uh, tkato at theathletic.com or at yeah, that's the that's the email. Yeah, that's the email. I forgot what emails were, but um, it's it's so rare that I actually give out an email. But yeah, just someone reach out to me. There's ways to do it. You can figure it out and. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll try to make sure we, uh, we get you hooked up. Yeah, definitely. There's no excuse. The athletic has some of the best, uh, sports writers and in Basham Shrania, uh, some of the best news breakers as well. And some very great podcasts that I listen to. Most of my podcasts, the sports I listen to are from the athletic. Um, oh, yeah. but I don't want to, so I sticking on the, the Giannis and the championship going back to 2011, I don't want to go down too far memory lane, but you know, me and Noe are a little bit older than you. We are 30 years <laughs> old. So I, I hate that I put that out there, but we've seen some things and, and I've been a Mavs fan since like 02, 03. And just the vindication that Dirk received 
when he won in 2011. I understand what you're talking about because guess what's going to happen with Luka? There's going to be narratives that are going to be shaped when Giannis gets there. Because no matter what happens, Giannis is a two-time MVP winner. So, And he is the better player of Luka. And there might be some weird people out there that, you know, call themselves Yoda, if you know who I'm talking about. Um, they're going to say, oh, Luka, Luka couldn't do it, so they had to go get, like, a two-time MVP, and now they can win, even though, obviously, on the trajectory that Luka's on, he's very young. Um, but, yeah, I I see where you're coming from. Obviously, if if, if Giannis comes, it's going to be like, great, cool. That's guaranteed Western Conference Finals appearance, barring any injuries. But to see Luka at least get to maybe a conference finals before any of that, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see him in in a, in a, a higher significant game than just, you know, first round series before maybe another superstar gets there. But, you know, beggars can't be uh, choosers. So that would be cool to see honest, but I, I, I understood it. I appreciated your article. And for the ones, you know, that didn't read the headlines, like I said, I mean, the athletic always has promos running, so there's no excuse at this point. But Noe, uh, w- what do you feel about this? Uh, I-, I know you have been on this train for so long that you probably got a lot of passes to give out before it actually happens. What- what's, your- what's your take on this? Because I know you kind of soured after the Milwaukee Bucks lost to the Heat. Yeah, you still hold on. you still on the train? I am the president and founder of this bandwagon. All right, I was talking about this before it was a thing. All right. So, Tim, I absolutely hated your article, man, because I started reading and all the hyperbole. And I had, like, we are the champions playing in the background. And, like, I had my championship T-shirt that I still have from 2011 on. And I pulled out the hat. And, dude, we were popping confetti. And it was amazing. I'm going to win 10 rings in the next 20 years. It was it was. And then, and then, bro, it turned. And that's when you lost me. It turned. And it all went south. And I hate it because I agree. I 100% agree. I, I have shit on LeBron for the longest time because he robbed us of a decade of competitive basketball by going to Miami and building the super team and then allowing the Warriors to do what they did. And then for the longest time, we watched a league where we would see – and turn it on. And before the season started, we knew who was going to play the finals. And we could almost flip a coin to see who would win it. And I hated it. I absolutely hated it. That said, come to Dallas, baby. We want 10. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I. You know what? I hated LeBron for it. But if it's for the Mavs, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I will take boring basketball. It could be predictable. There could be no drama. Give it to me. That's that's so you've become everything you hate. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, 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 nah. No, he's just he's just a fan. That's that's the one thing. Fandom is not rational. It's irrational. It's your one chance to like be emotional about something that makes no sense. Like there's no reason. We should be like freaking out when when Luca hits a game winner. Like it's just like somebody can go like do that at at the YMCA. You know, probably not as well, but but you know, it's it's this irrational thing that you just commit your emotions to, and and you know your mood swings one way or the other because of what happens on a basketball court. You know that you watch through your TV. So I I think you know there's you know I wanted to point out you know how it's the tiniest bit hypocritical or whatever, um, but dude. 
I mean, that's what fandom is. That's what fandom is. So, you know, I can't, I can't be too mad at any fan who feels that way. It's a hundred percent hypocritical, man. I'll take it all. I, I understand it. I, like I said, I last one to be the first to tell you, man. I absolutely hated LeBron for doing it. And I hated KD for doing the same thing. And I just, this last season, you know, despite COVID and everything that, you know, it was definitely an abnormal season, but the competitive layout of the league was incredible. There, it wasn't as predictable as it's been. The drama was great. You know, the product on the court was competitive, and it wasn't, it, you know, even though some of the series turned out to be a little lopsided, the games individually didn't feel that way. You know, I, I think that that's best for the league, um, 100%. As a Mavs fan, yes, I, I would love for him to come. You know, I was a little soured after this last, you know, the, the, this last uh, Milwaukee elimination, but, you know, it's just it's just way too much talent for the team to not have a ridiculous amount of success. Um, so no, for sure, hundred percent hypocritical. I, I you know, it's just I feel like a Laker fan, right? Like associate me with all the superstars. You got to embrace it. Yep. Find <laughs> yourself aware. That said, as long as all, you admit you have a problem, right? <laughs> all jokes aside, I mean, Tim, I was on the Dorian Finney Smith. Oh God! What's that? I said yeah, I was jokes- on the Dorian Finney-Smith, you know, train for a while, so I get it. No, yeah, I don't know that one. That one was unreasonable, but um, all jokes aside, the article was really good, man. Outstandingly written. It's a great read. As much as it was a roller coaster for me to do it and read it and take myself to it, I 100% agree. It would be bad for the competitive nature of the game, and it would be bad for the league, and it would be bad for, you know, really for NBA fans as a whole because you don't want, you know, to just know who the champion's going to be, you know, before the season starts or, you know, find yourself having to realize that if it's not an injury that it's not, you know, any way, other way about it. But, you know, as a Mavs fan, for sure, I'd love to see it. Um, as a basketball fan, Stay in Milwaukee and compete. You know, don't I don't even want them to go to Miami. Just stay in Milwaukee and do it. I mean, like I said, we're we're Dallas fans. We watch Dirt, you know, play out a 21 year career, you know, here in Dallas and experience a lot of lows and some medium highs and ultimately climax in that championship. And it was so sweet to to to, to have it that way. And I wouldn't change it for the world, you know. So I I I definitely do hope that Giannis stays in Milwaukee and competes. Yeah, I mean that's that's well said. Honestly, I, I don't even have anything else to say about it. And uh, I mean, wherever more wherever Giannis goes, he's rumored to go to like four or five other teams. And you know, we all know how it's going to play out. Let's just so many teams put their names in the hat, and it doesn't make any sense. But uh, we talked about earlier about like what Dwight Powell was doing in the community, protests, things of that nature. Uh, so someone on this panel actually put his money where his mouth was and got out in these streets and. And did what he could as an individual, you know, for awareness of what's going wrong, wrong with the police brutality and just social uh, inequality in general. And Tim, you were in the uh, Dallas protest, I believe, in June. Was that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I was in um, throughout June and, and into July. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me about your experience? Because I, I saw the pictures and I, and I was kind of worried because I had friends out there and I told them to be safe because I've. I was watching, you know, CNN for weeks on end when that stuff started. And there was reporters getting arrested by the police. There was uh, reporters getting shot by those. Um, I don't know what kind of they're like pebble guns or something like. Uh, yeah. Rep- you can yeah. kind of. Exp- 
Yeah, I saw a reporter get shot in the face by that. What was your experience in that? And what did you learn ultimately about just about what we're protesting and and what and what people in America deserve and what they're demanding um, from their government and their uh, local law enforcement? Yeah, uh, there's like a million ways I can take this. Um, and so I'm trying to decide which which ones uh, I can I can fit into a succinct answer. I also want to say, however, however you want to go. Yeah, I also want to say, you know, bef- before I even start this, you know, it's it's not about me. I'm not I'm not like a better person because I, I, I went to, you know, some of these protests and stuff. Um, you know, I'm a guy with a flexible job, wasn't writing about sports, you know, didn't, you know, had had evenings free. You know, a lot of circumstances allowed, you know, gave me the the privilege and, and the uh, the ability to go out to these protests. I'm a, you know, young white guy in, in my in my mid 20s. I'm not, you know, married. I don't have kids. So, you know, I, I felt like, you know, a lot of the, all the factors kind of lined up for, for me to, to be someone who was who was out there a lot. Um, you know, the specific protest you're referring to is uh, is the one I believe on June 2nd, um, where a bunch of us uh, started to go over Margaret Hunt hill bridge and uh basically got kettled and uh detained for for hours um although the the one charge they brought which was even you know was going to be like a misdemeanor was was eventually dropped um you know i wrote a whole story about that uh you guys can go you know that that's that's on my it's on my feed it's on d magazine um you know this is where i published it and uh you know that's that that's a that's a whole night and and you know but but i think i think the better thing to talk about is just is just this as a whole um and, and just you know just understanding that that uh you know government and society and and how we operate as humans is is you know is not set in stone it, it is it was decided and it continues to be decided and it can be decided again and, and we can we have the power you know to push people and, and do what we can to to try to change it in, in better ways and you know it's it it definitely is overwhelming and feels exhausting and feels like one, you know, like I, there was a definitely times where, you know, me as one person going to a protest with, you know, a hundred, 200 other people, sometimes less than that, you know, I was like, what is this actually changing? And I think that's a, that's a thing worth thinking about. You know, it's, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, just march streets for the sake of marching streets. You know, you, you if, if you do, you know, whatever you do, you should, you should try to do it with a purpose and a mission in mind. Um, but but I do think that you know in any ways that I can try to you know push uh, our our leaders our our representatives um, in directions that I, I think are are better and, and safer and and just the moral direction to go for for our for for the people you know in the world the people in this country the people you know in my lives you know the the, the friends who are you know people of color the the friends who are you know, in, in the LGBT community. Um, you know, I just don't think, you know, consistently we see that they just don't have enough protections that, that they are, they're viewed differently. You know, I I don't think that, you know, I think one thing in this country is that racism gets turned into a white guy in a hood in a KKK hood. And that's all it is. And nobody, and, you know, unless you're actively part of like the KKK, I can't be racist, but you know, racism is, is really, you know, like what's the deck, what's the, 
textbook dictionary definition. It's like treating someone differently because of their skin color. That can be such a tiny thing. Like, like, and, and sometimes, you know, we don't even know it is it, you know, I think prejudices exist in everybody. And I try to check my own self because I definitely have them built up because in our society, we have prejudices that, that have been built up and we have discriminatory systems. And, and, you know, the more you read and study and look into it, the way that, you know, real estate was, was racist and specifically, you know, aimed to segregate, you know, long past the 1960s and the way that, you know, uh, schools are that way and, and just so on and so on and so on is that it's, it's, it can be overwhelming and it's, it's at, at time feels like, you know, we're never going to reach a far enough, you know, conclusion. But, you know, I think, I think that it's, it's all of our parts to do what we can. And, uh, you know, so, so this summer, you know, was, was just me doing as much as I could, um, you know, what I felt appropriate. And, uh, you know, as, as my life goes on, I, I, I really like writing about sports and I really, you know, this is a fantastic team to cover right now, especially if they get Giannis, um, that, that would be, that would be extra fun. But, uh, you know, I think I, I think I also foresee a, a point in my journalism career where, you know, I, I hope to do stuff that that, you know, matters to me just like sports do. And, and this is stuff that matters to me like that. And so, you know, I, I was able to write a one off article this summer. Um, but uh, but, you know, down the line, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, and, and we're talking like 10 years. This is if my editors are listening to this, don't worry. I've talked to them about this, too. But, you know, it's you know, we're talking five, 10 years down the line, you know, but but I, I do foresee that there's a there's a future um, in my career where, where, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, to just write about things that I think are important to me. And, uh, that can be sports and that can be going to Slovenia and, and examining a country through the eyes of Luca. And that can be something totally different. That's about, you know, just the history of this country and how it has, uh, how it has hurt cert- certain members of it. So that was a, uh, hopefully, hopefully semi succinct, you know, just kind of, kind of went, went on a, went on a little, little journey through, you know, what I was, what I, what came to mind, but, but yeah, it was. It's been a, it's been a fascinating year um, in in a lot of ways, um, and and the summer especially, I think you know, just taught me that you know, we, the, just what we whatever we can do, whatever we're able to do within the, our own powers, you know, I think that's a good thing, and and uh, you know, I hope I hope everybody is 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 considering that and, and doing what they can, and you know, fingers crossed that that over time, it's it's going to lead to a to a world that is is just a, a better place. And the thing about the protest, which we really didn't even talk about, I mean, it's in the middle of a pandemic. So I'm sure there would have been more people protesting. So say like me and my wife, we wanted to go out. But to be honest, we were scared because this was I mean, we're still early in the process, but it's a few months removed removed from us being furloughed and being at home. And we're watching it on the news and we're like, these people are courageous. And I mean, a lot of these people are risking their lives, especially people of color that are protesting because, you know, they could be easy targets for some of these police officers, uh, you know, to escalate the situation when if it was a person like our color, me and your color, Tim, they could easily just shrug it off and be like, whatever, it's, it's, it's not really a big deal. But, you know, I saw people like you protesting and I just want to commend you because, like I said, I had other friends in Dallas and I was very proud of them. And it was bittersweet because I wanted to see myself out there. But, man, it's just in the middle of a pandemic, it was just so much you know, for, for me and, and my wife that, we you know, a little scared, if you will. And, and, but we were happy that there was an abundance of people that were really standing up and maybe this was just for cash grabs, but there was also corporations that were standing up. You know, I mean, I never thought I would see some of these companies just utter the words black lives matter and, and put it, you know, in advertising and, and what have you. And, 
And like you said, hopefully it's more than just protesting because, you know, as much as it's admirable, it's great. We need a lot of change and, and, and maybe that comes in November. Maybe it doesn't. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping as a country that we do better because I, I just can't stand and look at it no more. I used to consider myself a big patriot and I still love my country, but I just don't love it the same anymore because there's a lot of people that are getting left by the, uh, the, the wayside and, and it's just disgusting to me. And uh, yeah, I, I don't want to be too long winded, but I, once again, I do appreciate what you did, Tim and, and everybody else. And I hope that our efforts uh, actually mean something one day. And, and these people that are marginalized uh, can finally feel the same way that you and I do, Tim, when we walk across the street and there's a police officer or when we're going to get a job and they see our name or, and then they see another person's name that's, you know, of a different culture and they may overlook that person, even though maybe that person is way more qualified than we are. Um, I hope that as a society and as a country, and it's just a group of people that uh, we, we can reach that level one day um, consistently. And no, I know it's a little long winded, but it's just, it's a very touchy subject for me. Uh, did you have anything to add uh, for uh, these social rights issues that we're having right now? No, I, I you know, I'm obviously uh, a minority. So a lot of these things hit a lot closer to home. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's something where I feel that the momentum is at the very least trending in the right direction. Um, it's not something that'll, that'll likely change, you know, like a lot of people would wish it did, right? It's not something that'll, that'll be a snap of the fingers and, and you know, progress is made, right? Uh, a lot of people have fought for, the, for, for social equality for, you know, hundreds of years and, and have made, you know, have had achievements, but it's obviously still an ongoing battle. And it's still, you know, it's something where even if we're just inching in the right direction, it, it, it's, it makes me happy to see that at the very least the movement is being is being had and it is it is trending in the correct direction and i i do think that a lot of people have definitely you know stepped out of you know their comfort zone and especially in and people with you know big public platforms where it is a risk it is you know a a, a portion of it where they put their careers you know on the line because we know how a lot of this stuff gets censorship and how, you know, oftentimes employers for the sake of not making waves will silence, you know, different things. And so, you know, to see like the NBA go about it, you know, and especially after we saw the way the NFL handled it, when they, whenever things began there, um, you can see, and, and granted the NBA is a very progressive league, but you can see that, that some progress has been made and, and even just, the ability for people with platforms to be able to speak up and not necessarily, you know, jeopardize as much as it would have been just a few years back um, is, is progress. And, and it's definitely going in the right direction. And, and to, to this point and, and, and taking advantage of the fact that we have Tim here, that Tim is obviously far more connected than we are. The Dallas Mavericks organization was very, very active during all of this um, players, uh, obviously, you know, to from 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 the bottom to the top, from from the players to to Mark Cuban himself, um, being proactive and trying to to accomplish goals and and try and and push the movement forward um, is great. And I guess my question to you, Tim, is is like I said, with you you being more connected to to the team than than obviously Lance and I are, 
how do you feel that that shapes the culture of the franchise and seeing the level of activity, not just from the players, but from ownership in, in this movement that obviously has a lot of weight to the players? Sorry, I was uh, I was thinking about that one and trying to make sure I have a uh, have the the best possible answer. I I mean, it's it's one thought I had. So so one thing I thought earlier this year, to be to be totally honest, is that you know for all the Black Lives Matter put on the court for all the shooting sleeves that said vote, um, there was definitely a part of me. It was like okay, and what, and, you know, how much of, you know, suppose the question is, are corporations latching on to social messaging because they know that's just what their audience wants and thus, you know, the money and all that stuff. Um, but, but then there's, then there's the question of, even if it is sincere, is it, is it going far enough? And I understand, and, you know, I, I think the answer is, is no, but it does matter. And, you know, in this country, in America, and in, in you know the the specifically the capitalistic environment we have in America that that values you know corporations to to the point that they're they're considered people like you know sure the, the corporations are not going to save us and we know that you know and I'm we shouldn't ask them to or you know um, shouldn't expect them to um, but but I did I did write a story last week about the American Airlines Center being opened as a voting center. And I talked to a couple of experts and, and, you know, it was really cool to hear them say that, you know, they, they did think that that stuff mattered. They, they thought that doing voting registration drives matter, that, you know, uh, you know, just just filling in essentially where, you know, the way the way someone I quoted in the story, um, his name was uh, Daniel uh, Nicharian, I believe is his last name. And hopefully I didn't mispronounce it, um, but he is a, a voting you know, American voting expert, essentially. He's got like, you know, 90,000 followers, you know, just tweeting about this stuff. Um, a professor, you know, his, his credentials are in, in in that story. And, you know, he was like, a lot of this, especially with voting, a lot of this stuff should be done by like the state of Texas, like the, the efforts to get people registered and to have the knowledge of when and where and how to vote and all these things should be done by the state of Texas. And, and because the state of Texas... Uh, fails to do that for for many reasons. Um, I briefly touch on that in the piece, and, and you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys can can imagine a lot of the reasons why. Um, you know, it is important for for people like the Mavericks to to step up and to do something and and, and to be there. And so, you know, and in that story, there's a lot more that the Mavericks are doing. You know, it's it's you know something that I was I only you know probably spent a sentence or two talking about because it just wasn't the focus of the piece, and I only had so much so much time and so many words to to, to write about it. But but you know, it absolutely does matter that this franchise, you know, starting with Cuban, you know, a guy I don't fully agree with politically, but he's he's common. You know, he, I, I really appreciate his common sense and, and the fact that he you know does view this organization as a as a vessel and a franchise and a in a you know, a, a vehicle to, you know, try to make things better to try to affect change. And, and, and absolutely it does, it does matter. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I would, I mean, I would expect any franchise to, to be doing what, what the Mavericks are. Um, you know, this is a predominantly African-American league and, their players are, you know, the the exact demographics of, of the people who are most at risk in this country, you know, young, 
uh, young male uh, black Americans are, you know, far and away the the people. And, and we've seen even NBA players are not safe from this. Labo Cephalosha got his leg breaking broken by the WPD. Uh, Sterling Brown got arrested for for uh, idling in a car outside of CVS because I guess he was double parked, and that was enough for him to get you know taken out of the car at gunpoint, I believe, and, and, you know, cuffed and by like seven squad cars, like, you know, even if the millionaires, uh, you know, these athletic famous millionaires are not, are not fully, you know, safe from, from being victimized, then, then what hope is there for the rest of us? So, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm in this weird, you know, I, I absolutely, it's great what the Mavericks are doing and, and I expect them to do that. I, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It is, you know, and, and so it is good that they're doing it. And I'm, I'm proud that they're doing what they, what they should be doing. I would be disappointed if they're doing, you know, any less, um, just, just, you know, uh, but, but yeah, absolutely. There are franchises that are doing less, especially in other, in other sports leagues. So it is absolutely commendable. Um, you know, it, it, like I said, I don't think any corporation, whether it's a sports franchise or Pepsi Cola is going to save us that, you know, they, right. to some degree, they have status quota uphold because, you know, the, the, you know, in some ways, you know, it's society is, is slanted to, to benefit big corporations like that. So I don't, I don't want to get too, too far down that road. And that's, that's a, that's a long nuanced conversation we can have in a, in another way. And, and certainly, you know, just a, just a sentence with a couple talking points is not very persuasive. And I don't want to, I don't want to just sound like that, that dude. So, um, but, but, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm proud of the Mavericks for doing this, this stuff. I think it's important. I think it's necessary. I think they, they, you know, they, they shouldn't, you know, glorify themselves because of, but I don't think they are, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a nuanced take I have about it, I guess. Um, but, but I'm really glad they are and, and they're doing good things. And, and I think just the, the one, the one thing I'll, I'll leave with the last point I'll make is that, you know, political action is, is not, you know, voting should be like the smallest thing you do. Like you should just understand that every, every year when an election comes up, you should, you know, the, the research you put into it and just understanding, you know, how to vote and when to vote and like that, that stuff matters. Like the time you put into it, you know, Political action doesn't just mean protesting. I think research is probably one of the biggest things you can do. It both, you know, um, you know, whether it's reading books or it's whether it's studying your local council, city council members in your in your you know primary, so you can vote for the person who has the policies that are more like you. Um, so you're not just you know blind casting a vote for someone with a with a D next to their name, for example, you know, um, you know, because that not all those people are are made the same either. You know, even if we decide one party is is working harder to to fix what's wrong in this country, it doesn't mean that that your values are going to be the same as as another you know person that that you could vote for in a primary, and and that's the stuff that's really easy to set aside. So I've I've gone too long, and uh, so I'll, I'll I'll cut my answer there, but. But yeah, you know, I could, I could, I could talk for an entire podcast about this, and and uh, you know, I, I hopefully this doesn't come across as too preachy because I'm I'm still trying to I'm really good at talking about basketball. I know I know how to talk about basketball. You know, I'm still learning. I'm still learning with this other stuff. I'm still learning myself. You know, it's it's a long. There's 300, 250 years of history to study in this country and to figure out why everything happened. And you know, I'm, I'm I know like. 0.1% and uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, in five years, I'll know 1%. So that's, that's all we can do. And, you know, I hope everybody just kind of sees it as a long process, both personally and in this country and with the actions they take. Yeah. I mean, I was hoping you'd go along with it, honestly, because <laughs> this is something that we got to talk about and, and look, I mean, that, you know, those protests and the social issues they intertwine with basketball. So, and I mean, it only makes sense that we talk about it here. And uh, before I get you out of here, Tim, um, you know, obviously we talked about you being with the athletic, 
once again, my favorite uh, sports outlet out there for both uh, podcast and just original content in general. Um, is there anything that you have uh, in the works right now that you're able to speak about at this time? Um, coming up, um, I've got some long, longer projects I'm looking into, but nothing so imminent that I'll, I'll, you know, really make sense to tease. Um, but, but definitely, you know, the, all the stories we talked about, I, I you know, if, if you guys do show notes, I can send you the, the links to, to drop them in there. Um, there, there is a, there is a conversation with one of my editors, Mike Pellucci, uh, that's going to run Tuesday, and he's going to tell me why I'm an idiot, and they should, and the Mavericks should sign Giannis. So uh, we'll have a <laughs> we'll have a nice counterbalance to to the to the thing I wrote. So there's there's the one thing I can I can tease, um, and yeah, beyond that, you know, uh, theAthletic.com. Um, you know, I'm on I'm on Twitter at at Tim underscore Cato. Um, if you guys if you guys have any any questions about anything I said, or uh, or or want help with with uh, promotions to to the to the site or the, the best deals or anything like that, just I'm always available via DM. Uh, I try to be pretty responsive uh, to anybody who uh, to to reaches out to me because they're they're totally open. Um, and 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 same goes for for email. Although uh, I'd rather you just DM me. Uh, Twitter nobody uses email anymore. It's all it's all about Twitter DMs. So so yeah, um, it, it's I had a fun time. Uh, thank, thanks guys for for having me on for sure. You know this is this has been this has been real fun and, and a cool chance to talk about uh stuff uh, stuff I'm used to talking about and, and stuff I'm still figuring out. So uh, so I, I really appreciate it. No, we we really do appreciate you coming on, Tim. And uh, you know, Noe and I, you know, appreciate your insight and and just your your uh, honesty on everything from basketball and of course social issues. Uh, Noe, did you have anything to say uh, before we get out of here? No, man, just Tim. Thanks again, man, for joining us. Uh, it, we're, you know, we're in the early stages of getting, getting going and having somebody uh, like yourself come on. It, it's, it's big for us. And so we definitely appreciate you uh, being, being humble and, and, and being down to earth kind of guy that, you know, is willing to, to sit down with two nobodies to just, you know, spitball some basketball. Yeah, yeah, I'll de- I'll definitely tweet it out. I might have uh, I might have taken a screenshot earlier of uh, I I know it's an audio podcast, but we're, we're all on video, and so uh, I was like, oh man, the quarantine hair is looking wild. Uh, <laughs> I might uh might tweet out might tweet out a screenshot and with the link and all that, but uh, but for sure this was this was a fun conversation, and uh, and and I hope I hope people enjoyed it as much as I did. Indeed, I'm I'm sure everyone's gonna love this. Uh... So yeah, before we get out of here, uh, once again, everybody, thanks for tuning in to uh, the Culture Surfing Podcast. Um, as you know, we are in the depths of uh, NBA pur- purgatory, being that we don't know when the next season is going to start. So Noe and I uh, figured we might as well just start uh, doing some off-season um, pods. We have a couple of guests lined up uh, for the next three to four weeks, and then we'll have some more after that. And of course, uh, expect us to have a NBA uh, draft pod with Someone that is very close uh, to the draft and uh, pretty much his whole existence on Twitter is uh, talking about the draft. Um, But with that said, everybody, uh, before y'all get out of here, make sure y'all go on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, you know, review us, tell us what we're doing wrong, tell us what we're doing right. You know, Noe and I are known for uh, taking constructive criticism very well, um, and we don't have a uh, NBA Twitter burners. So you don't have to worry about that. If you say something bad about us, we'll take it in stride and move on. But yeah, uh, once again, this is uh, Lance, this is Noe, and of course our very lovely guest, Tim Cato. We are signing off. Thank you. You'll have a nice day and please wear y'all's mask.